Hello, welcome to episode 8 of Stick to Sports, uh, the podcast where we talk about sports a lot, but like probably more than we would like to. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Ryan Lambert from Yahoo Sports, among other places. Sean Gentilly from Sporting News and uh, this podcast, I think. You sounded exhausted, by the way, just like saying that part. You were like already sick. Of <sighs> Okay, wait, no, let me, you know, you know what I need to do. I got to, uh, I got to do my best Edward Sharp the Magnetic Zeros impression and just be really, really peppy and happy. Oh, wear a, God. wear some, wear some, wear some suspenders and a straw hat. Wait, okay, so to to really set all this up, Sean, for reasons I don't want to even think about, posted a a video of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, like an absolutely insufferable band. Um, performing on Letterman and somehow being more insufferable than like I already have them written down in my head. You know what I mean? Like they're awful. Yeah, yeah. Their their faces. They're they're awful musically. First of all, no one would disagree with that. And and second of all, like just how they are in their lives right. also seems to be pretty pretty awful. So. Uh, yeah, just yeah. their general. Please, please explain general. Me what made you post that video and then me watch. I honestly literally all I, of it. I think about that video probably, probably once a month. Like if I ever like, here's my standard for it. AV Club does this feature called Hate Song, where they, you know, bring on comedians and actors and, and musicians and whoever else, and. The whole the whole crux of of the recurring feature is that they just talk about a song that they hate and why they hate it, and it's a lot of fun because you run the gamut of reasons. Like some people just, you know, it's as basic as just hating, you know, the actual structure of the song or just having something beaten into their heads. But other times, and in, in the best the best versions of this are when people hate it for like a really personal reason. <laughs> And for sure. me, that's for me, that's the way it is with with uh, with Edward Sharp, because whenever I see that video of this horrendous song played by these terrible dipshits on Letterman, in the faces that they make, in the way they carry themselves, in every single like the clothes they're wearing, every single thing, every single thing about it, I think of where I was when I first saw it, and I saw it. I was like twenty two or twenty three. It was my first job out of college. I was working nights. I was in Charlotte. I didn't know anybody, and I was the most miserable bastard on the planet. I was unbelievably depressed, and I, I hated going to work. I hated doing my job. It was miserable. And I remember I looked up. I looked up from my desk at one point. You know, it was twelve thirty at night or whatever. I was halfway through my shift, and I saw that goddamn song, play, uh, them those guys playing that song on Letterman. And I saw them bouncing around the stage and like grinning at each other and wearing those stupid goddamn hats. Like I'm, I'm legitimately angry about it now, and it makes me angry whenever I think about it. It makes me angry whenever I watch it. And just, just seeing how happy they were and hearing that stupid song, just like in in relation to how miserable I was in that exact moment was i i think i got to get it from my desk like i thought i was gonna throw up and 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 every time 
every time I think about just randomly about a song that I don't like or, or anything, that's always the first thing that comes to mind. And I, I, I'm telling you, everybody listening to this, I, you know, I feel bad for making this recommendation. But if you really want to get mad, uh, or or just see how you know how sensitive that I that that I can be, just Google Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros Letterman. And uh, and you'll see one of the worst things on the internet, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's it is a concerningly bad song, um, and the performance is somehow even worse. Like, okay, so if you when he starts when he starts whistling, I, I'm trying not to drop. Oh F-bombs. my god, yeah. I'm trying not to I'm trying not to drop f bombs here because like I, this I, is a family know, podcast. I, I I guess to an extent, but like when he starts whistling. I just want to put my goddamn fist through through my computer, and, that's and, and, the F and it, word? yeah, and it's and it's uh, and it's uh, it's only down, yeah. The the F word is fist, and it's only downhill from the whistling. Like that's what makes it so insane. The whistling is the high point it's, of that song. Yeah, it only so gets worse. I I was I spent a good year or three in like the early two thousand tens, very into like folk music, Americana, that kind of thing. And I, you know, there are a lot of really great bands in that genre, but around, let's say 2011, 12 or so, there started to be that creep of bands like Edward Sharp or the Lumineers or whatever, where they would, right. They would all dance around like hillbilly, like literal hillbilly. They were, it was like. It was like second or third wave, like new Americana bands. Yeah, and and some of those, like I like, I really don't have a problem with. Like, like I realize that it's derivative; it's not my thing. But like, I can listen to, like, uh, what Monsters and Men or whatever the hell the name of that yeah, band is. Like, like, that, like that's they're like the outer limit of what I can tolerate. Yeah, that. they're fine. Um, I can hear them. I can hear them in commercials and not get active. Like they don't actively offend me. But Edward Sharp actively offends me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, it, it's the, like, they're they're all playing, they're all, like, blowing into jugs and playing washboards and then saying and it's so, hey it's every so, 12 seconds. Uh, and uh, that that's what's so awful about it to me, um, it is, the, is the verve with, like, they're all dressed like they just got off. Uh, a boxcar in like yeah, 1930s Oklahoma because they were running it's, from you know the the conductors or whatever like it's really it's phony it's phony it's, horse shit and in <laughs> that's absolutely exactly in, how i would describe it and in t- the, okay like no. whenever like that girl is i'm i'm like i'm like starting to spin out about this like <laughs> it makes me so mad still but, so, but when when the girl on the song, she's wearing like that stupid felt hat, and it falls it off falls her head off. immediately. And it's, it, and it's the most, it's the most <laughs> choreographed thing. Like, I, oh god! So, and and then and then just like the weird, the weird affectations in in their voice. You know, they're talking about goddamn Arkansas when when that when that guy was the lead singer and I'm a robot. Is that like, true? Just, I had just, no idea. Shit. Yeah, did you like it's 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 just total like op- oh, it's total just like no. opportunistic bullshit. Like it's the worst. It really. So I have. <laughs> I still love my Ma and Paul. <laughs> so I have 
so I have an Edward Sharp story. That, uh, I don't even want to hear it. No, like I, I, you like do, my, my blood. Oh God, I'm screaming into a microphone. Everything you like, every. I, I was marginally aware of him, and I looked. So okay, I went to a music festival in Hartford, May twenty eighth, two thousand eleven. I looked it up because. So listen to the bands on this bill. Um, Free Energy, Real Estate, Dan Deacon, The Cool Kids, Waves, Best Coast, Titus Andronicus, Parliament Funkadelic, Weezer, and Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, like among others. Like, yeah. This is Weezer's the, the best out of all those bands, obviously. Well, so they, they headlined and they, a quick aside, they headlined and they had apparently just like walked around the festival and like asked random people what songs they wanted to hear. And people not surprisingly primarily said Pinkerton and Blue Album songs, and they were like, okay, yeah, that's what we'll do then. And then that's more or less what they did. They didn't play too much non, like, like post-Green uh, Album stuff, which was fantastic for me. They should have played Maladroid, because Maladroid's better than the Green Album. Well, but it is, but uh, they, th- this was also around the time they did that uh, cover of Karma Police that was pretty good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, this is also where the Titus Andronicus Weezer like overlap kind of started. Yeah, because the, to my knowledge, that is the first time they ever played together, and I saw Rivers Cuomo like watching the Titus Andronicus. All right, wait a second. We're talking about we're talking about those Emmett Otter Jug Band. Okay, yeah. Assholes. So anyway, so anyway, great show all day. You know, three stages, whatever it was. Really, really good time. And then Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros were, uh, like, the band right before Weezer. And literally between every single song, that suspender-wearing dipshit complained about the different levels in the monitors. Like, no one cares. On the no mic, cares. like, actively on the mic, like, chewing out the sound yeah. guy. Yeah. And I, no, and I, I was, there's, like, there's, again, I was... There's too much... There's was, too much treble in this microphone for for my incessant fucking whistling. Yeah. It, it's so like I again was I knew of them and I was like, "Oh, so this guy just sucks. Like this guy is the worst then." And then like I see all the you know, dancing around like goobers or whatever uh-huh. and I was just like, "So this is like what completely is put on." Like Yeah. This cuz cuz when they were playing they were dancing around like they were playing on Letterman, and then between every song, he's just like, "Why can't you get your effing stuff in order and, and fix the su-? like complain?" And right. nobody and else then, complained once all day. And then, and then after he's done embarrassing the sound guy, he goes back to being a grinning idiot. Who's, yeah, like you know, like playing playing playing, playing a washboard or, yeah, or, or exactly. whatever whatever he's doing. So basically, in summary, the official stance of stick to sports <laughs> is Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros might be the worst band that has ever existed. Yeah. You should I go can't back and think of a worse you, one. You gotta go back and bleep out that F bomb. That would be great. That would be great for dramatic effect. Gonna, I've always wanted I've always wanted to have a bleeped out F bomb at some point in my life. Alright, I'm gonna try, but I don't know how to get a bleep sound effect, so I might record me saying bleep over it. <laughs> nice. Uh we'll no, find but, out. But it is, it, it is, man. Like I and I know we just sat there and screamed about it for a while, but like, there's something about there's something about songs like that 
and I and everybody has to have one or two or three. I'm the same way with wagon wheel, which I hate for another different reason. But like, but like everyone, everyone should have, everyone should have those songs that make them just volcanically angry. And there should entire sublime discography. No, but that's just that's just that's just like there needs to be something specific. Like I like, and that's why I like hate songs so much. Honestly, is that it's always it's never like on paper the worst songs. You know, otherwise everybody would choose "Who Let the Dogs Out" or whatever. Like, there's always there's always really personal, like messy messy connections. And when I, when I hear that song and I see those people and their terrible terrible faces, I think of just sitting at a desk, you know, in the dark in in North Carolina and just wondering what the hell I did to get there. So, yep, forget that band. Uh, I I hope I hope they fail. Are, are they are they around anymore? I would imagine that they are. If they're like, as long as you can get your song in like a bank commercial, like you're you're good forever. Like they'll they'll be in a band forever. No, and it's that. and it's and it's and it's nothing personal. It should be though. Like that guy. Like I said, that guy on top of being awful as a musician, really seems like a dick. So <laughs> I'm fine with not liking that guy. Hmm. Well, um, but what, like <laughs> the the other the other thing that's kind of like in the same vein was we both saw pop star. We were one of like the nine people in America who saw pop star oh, this no. weekend. What a bummer that is! What I a know. bummer the, that that whole situation like, is. Like totally ripe for sending up like modern music in the same way that. Um, you know, this is Spinal Tap did in whatever nineteen seventy eight. Uh, it's it was so goddamn funny that movie. It, and yeah, for those who don't good. know, and apparently it's a lot of you, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the it's the new Lonely Island movie, right? And I'm I'm a total. I'm not like a Lonely Island super fan or anything, but I, I've I've enjoyed you know. Pretty many, much everything many, those, yeah. those guys have done. Many, the vast many, majority. A, uh, many a good song. There are a lot where I'm just like, yeah, I'm not into this or whatever. But, no. but, but like the highs, the, the highs are the highs are really high. Really, really great. Um, and um, it, I, you know, what? I think my favorite part about the movie, honestly, was um, like I figured it would just be a straight, mainly straight like boy band and Bieber parody, right? But. But it totally wasn't like there's other there's other elements that he roll that they roll into the into the character that Andy Samberg plays like like obviously there's a big Macklemore element to it. Oh but, my god! I was the, the gay wedding song. Oh, uh, like, that was really I great. I was howling in the theater. Uh, and then and then there's also you know there's boy there's boy band type stuff, but there's also like kind of Beastie Boys strains in the uh, in the genesis of it all. And then. The other really funny thing, and I don't, I don't know if you picked up on this, I, I, I kind of hope you did, was um, it was like a little bit, his his big breakout was a guest verse he did on a very obvious Taylor Swift uh, ripoff, which is played by a famous actress that I won't, that I won't ruin because it was a nice, fun little thing to see. But like, that was, that was, that was a Kendrick Lamar reference. Like I'm, I'm completely, I'm completely sure of it. It was yeah. definitely, a, it was definitely a reference to like, to his verse on bad blood because that was, that was the Andy Samberg's character. Like, it, you know, retroactively, it was like his big breakout solo moment. It was like, Oh, like the ver- the verse you did on this, on the, on the fake Taylor Swift song. So there's other, there's other stuff at play. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. It, it was, was an all encompassing so funny. 
it was it was an all-encompassing pop star thing. It wasn't just it wasn't just you know half predictable Bieber jokes. Yeah, and when and when they did Bieber jokes, I thought they were really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just I there really is, like, really enjoyed it. Like, and I'll put it this way: at the theater I go to a lot, um, there's almost always if you go see something like you know Friday afternoon of the of release day, like a survey person with like you know a bunch of little ipads or whatever basically asking you to take a survey and i felt so good about that movie leaving it that i was like yeah i'll take a survey just to like record how good this is usually i wouldn't do it but like that movie i i really was a fan and wanted it to be like well known (laughs) it was it was cool to watch you're like oh wait this guy's this guy's supposed to be tyler the creator this is this is really really funny oh that that was so good that guy Oh, it was oh it was awesome, God. and and a lot of this isn't going to make sense in, unless, unless you've seen you it. See it. But right. but I but honestly, I would I would recommend it highly. And if you're one of the you know eighteen people <laughs> or whatever it is it that the list that listen to this regularly this weekend, yeah, like it was a sh- total bummer. Like I went you know at three thirty or four o'clock on on Friday, and it was like not an unfull. Uh, theater, you know, yeah. like there there were a decent number of people there for Friday afternoon. So I went I, and saw it on a, I went I went and saw it on a Sunday afternoon, and it was decently full, but it also was not playing in that many screens here. Like it, like, which is probably a little bit of a red flag. But yeah, I mean, if if you like this show, and you, if you like like I was saying, if you're one of the one of the several several dozen people that. <laughs> No, it's it's a little bit more than that. But but if if you like this show and, and you like us talking about silly garbage and your taste is of of uh you know of it's similar to ours, I would totally say to watch it. Well, it's a bummer. It yeah. should do well, and I and it and it makes me think that you know it's going to be a bellwether for these sorts of movies, and this is going to be the test case. And it doesn't seem like it's it doesn't seem like it's working out well. Yeah, I mean. The other thing I wanted to ask you just really quickly while I uh, while I see if it's going to even come close to making its money back. Uh, probably not. It only cost $20 million. Yeah, I know. I, I, that, like, seriously, I looked that up whenever I saw that, whenever I saw what the receipts were. Like, I, I hope it, I hope it makes its money back, but $5 million or whatever it was on a $20 million budget, like, uh, Not great. Not great. Not great. Um, but yeah, I did want to ask you, uh, Right before the movie came out, the the uh, the the results of like an SNL poll of like what the best Lonely Island sketch was. Oh yeah, what I talked, I, talked, I actually talked to uh, I talked to Nate Scott about that on the For the Win podcast. Like we talked about, he asked me to come on and talk about hockey and that, and we talked about it for a while. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with it. I think my all time favorite Lonely Lonely Island sketch, honestly, is is the Two Worlds Collide one where Keenan Thompson plays. Oh yeah, McAfire. amazing. So I think funny. I I think I laughed I think I sincerely laughed harder at that than pretty much any of the other ones and that made it far like I I was glad to see that Seth Meyers said that 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 was like one of his favorites because yeah. it was like validation you know for my own personal taste for me uh, Jack Sparrow it just yeah. like completely subverts all expectations mm-hmm. and like becomes this meta thing and that kind of like uh, it, it's so good I I rewatched. Like when that poll came out, I, I rewatched a bunch of them, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's still Jack Sparrow. Like it's They're still all, unbelievably yeah. funny." Jack, Jack I threw Sparrow it on just, the ground just... was better than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I, I, completely I, I distinctly that remember one. thinking that, that that throw it on the ground was dumb when I watched it. Ooh, like I didn't. I I don't. I don't. There. I don't recall. I don't recall liking it at all. But now but, you're you're turned around. Yeah. On it? I, yeah. Adam yeah. I, I don't know. It it was one that I watched live and just you know wasn't the right frame of mind for. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen most of these sketches, like yeah, the Timberlake ones are a little overdone at this point but the there are some really great ones that like get less play yeah um, absolutely and, and, I, and I, honestly I, like dick in a box mother lover they're pretty funny also like i'm not gonna funny. say they're not they're funny so. yeah you know i i, I could have done i could have done with a little less timberlake in the movie but you know whatever spoiler he's, alert folks he's he's in it there's yeah, there, that's not there was no way he was not gonna be in it anybody. yeah um, he does not, however, like say, bring it on down to McDonald's or whatever. So <laughs> you're safe there. <laughs> um, maybe at this point we should talk about sports now that we're like 20 minutes into the podcast. No, dude, I, I would really love to talk about songs that I hate in, in Lonely Island, you know, deep cuts for the next 35 minutes or whatever. Well, I mean, if you had done the thing you said you were going to do, and we could yeah. have that new segment no. that, that we teased it's last coming. week, yeah, it's, it, it, we're going to do it. We're going to do it at some point, uh, but not right now. Right now, we're going to punish you by making you talk about sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> don't don't sound too enthusiastic about that. Um, so, I guess a thing that I, that like became very controversial this week was uh, UFC revoking credentials for that guy who broke a UFC story before he was supposed to. Yes, Ariel Hawani. If, if I don't know enough about UFC. And, <laughs> so here's the thing. At least, at least get his name right if you want to talk about it, buddy. Eh, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> um, so when UFC was like first getting kind of big, I had like, somewhat of an interest in it and this is maybe 2008 or so 2007 um and i somehow got roped into when i this is when i was working at like a local newspaper um and you know i'm sure nobody was reading anything i wrote about it but like they had me writing about it on a fairly regular basis um Mm -hmm. if i didn't have a weekly column it was at least like every other week uh, just on, like, the goings-on in UFC and, like, a couple other things. And back then, anyway, I mean, like, if I really wanted to, I could have gotten Dana White on the phone for, like, half an hour. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it it doesn't seem like it would have been a big deal. Uh, but I remember I wrote a thing where someone had tested positive, at, like for steroids or something like that and Dana White had basically said something along the lines of like you know we stand by our fighters blah 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 and I wrote a thing that was like critical of him saying that when it's like yeah maybe you should just like assume that the two drug tests he took were you know maybe one you could explain away but two probably not and like the blowback I got from like people even in like the local MMA community I was like okay like these people are just super sensitive babies about everything then huh and it turns out that's that's exactly what the case is right no i know it's it's uh and you know they reversed the decision to to ban to ban ariel for as long for you know his life (laughs) 
or whatever whatever the insane terms that were communicated to him when they were throwing him out of out of the arena over the weekend and they should have you know i mean there's a there's a really screwed up uh you know the the overall ecosystem of of the UFC is ridiculous. That's and... what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, because it's basically like, you know, it, it it's this if you know the NHL or the NBA or whatever like just decided to become super sensitive and but also like weirdly kind of put journalists on the payroll a little bit. It's mm-hmm. it's very strange. Um, and you know. It, it, to some extent, it is like WWE, where they're effectively the only game in town, and you can't right. properly cover the sport without well, just being completely beholden to. I think part of it, part of it, and it's like you can sort of see where they're coming from because they want everything. They want it both ways. They want oh, yeah. all the benefits. They want they want all the benefits of being, you know, a WWE style company, and also the legitimacy that comes from being you know, an unscripted sport. Right. And, and they're, they're trying to have it. They're trying to have it always. And it's just this weird standalone uh, entity that's really not like anything else that we have to, <laughs> to compare it to, at yeah. least in North America. Yeah, it, it's, it's just truly like you couldn't, you know, like say the NHL expansion news comes out and, like, Bob McKenzie's like, well, it's going to happen. And then, you know, two hours later, the NHL was preparing to announce it. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, well, Bob McKenzie, get lost. You're, like, blacklisted, whatever. And then only, you know, after everybody's like, well, isn't it insane that you're doing this? And then they take a few days and they're like, ah, yes, it is insane. All like, right. And in, in part, part of that is because the NHL is smart enough to realize now, and this is after decades of decades upon decades of, of dealing with it that like there's other ways there's other ways to get back at somebody yeah. for 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 uh for running afoul of the law other than just saying yep you're banned for life because that draws an insane amount of negative attention which which the UFC learned the hard way over the last couple of days like yeah. you just you, you can stop telling people stuff and and you can you know run a more lower like run a lower key uh, smear campaign, I guess. But you know, to do a flat-out ban, I mean, that's never that's never going to happen. And and it's just it's just you know. But like I said, this is something that can only happen in UFC because it's the nature of the sport, it's the nature of the governing body of the sport, and it's the nature really of of the fans because of what they've become accustomed to, which is this weird sort of um this weird sort of combination of you know state-run media and, and right. you know, fervent fans that are also covering it. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's it's what an I issue that's unique. Is, is I don't, we talk about, like, fanboy reporters a lot, like, in other sports, but, like, name a sport where people are more fanboys than MMA. Like, it's kind of bad. <laughs> like, yeah, it how, is. It how is. How willing but, but, they are but part to part of that's, like... It like honestly like like something to compare it to. I think it, it compares more favorably to like to almost like uh, to almost like like the music press. It compares to like music criticism because you know for so many of these of these guys, uh, because because this really this this sport has come from nothing essentially in the last right. fifteen years. 
You know, they and it's understandable. You you feel a need to be a steward for stuff that you like, and and you're that you're that way with bands that you like. Oh, sure, and, yeah. You know, and it's a natural sort of um, compulsion to have when whenever there's whenever there's something you care about, but then it just gets baked into people that are turning this like passion for for the sport into their actual job, and and then you have a really opportunistic uh, company that. You know, is going to try to pay people and help them, make, and and you know, get them on the payroll because everyone needs money and blah blah blah. But like, it's uh, it's weird, and and it's and there's nothing to really compare it to. But it is, it it is a problem. It it is a problem when, you know, you when someone views uh views it as their responsibility to grow the game versus to report on it accurately and, and and paint and paint an accurate picture of it. And we see it with, with hockey a lot too, honestly, like, well, like what's most important is, is, is to be honest about, about whatever, about whatever it is you're covering. And when you're talking about serious, serious fandom of anything, whether it's a sport or a band or a filmmaker or whatever, it, it, it causes problems. And, and there's going to be a necessary lack of, lack of, uh, you know, lack of, um, transparency and a, and a lack of honesty really about, about the way things are going yeah it and the other thing too is like dana white in particular just seems to be insanely thin-skinned right and they take their cues from him right so he like he's making a huge chunk of these decisions and and then like it all just comes down like rolls downhill or whatever and people don't get the opportunity to uh to deal with that i guess mm-hmm. um so yeah i i guess you know what i would say is uh you know the ufc i've always i've kind of long like there like i said there was a time when i was somewhat into it and now not at all. Um, no, it's it's it doesn't it doesn't interest me. No, um, and and it, it, a lot of it is the meathead culture behind yeah, it. Yeah, sure. It you doesn't interest I mean? me from like from like a competitive standpoint. Uh, and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like watching it, and I don't it, I don't necessarily like consuming it. But there are elements of it that are that are interesting to me, and this is one of them. And you know, you know transcendent sort of stuff like conor mcgregor for a lot of different reasons was and remains very interesting to me and i wrote about kimbo slice today but like i don't know i'm not a i'm not a ufc guy and i'm not like i can speak about it in generalities and i can speak about it when there's actual crossover with stuff that uh with stuff that i understand like 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 the media and the internet and whatever but but at, at like judging the ufc in a you know, on its own merits, I, I don't think that's something I'm really capable of doing, and it's something I don't have that much interest in doing. Yeah, so, I have none. So when so, so when so when so when stuff like this pops up, I'm I'm happy to talk about it. But this is about as far as as far depth into it as I as I'm capable of going. Yeah, and and I think that's that's fair because mm-hmm. it's 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 weird because it's like one of the bigger sports in the U.S. and it sells out arenas and all that kind of stuff, but also. You can totally ignore it and feel perfectly comfortable with that. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm a I'm a pro, I'm a professional sports writer, mm. a, and I'm also like a generalist. Like I I write about everything. Now. Yeah. I'm not. I don't just write about hockey. So you know, I need to I need to have like maybe some basic working knowledge of it. But in terms of, 
in terms of uh, in terms of actual, you know, not larger issue stuff, I you know, I I can't I can't speak to it much at all. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and then uh, I guess we can just move it right along to the to the uh, yeah to the talk about we actually now. care about. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about hockey. Uh, the as we record this, the Pittsburgh Penguins are up three games to one on the San Jose Sharks, and look, you know, I mean, they they haven't trailed for one second in this uh, in this series, so that's looking pretty strong. And and at this point, everybody's just kind of sitting around saying to themselves, like, well, I guess the only thing to figure out is who's going to be, you know, the playoff MVP. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, there are, as far as I'm concerned, there are really only two candidates and one that I would kind of prefer over the other. Um, for me, it's Phil Kessel and Matt Murray, and then there's not really anybody else worth talking about. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, th- I think, I, don't, I wouldn't vote for Crosby, but I, I, think you can, I think you can put him in the discussion, can't you? Uh, I mean, yes why, why, no. why wouldn't you? Why? Well, I mean, not that points are the be-all, end-all. Obviously, no, that's that's fair. That's but, a that's a fair thing to say. But uh, he has four fewer than Phil Kessel in the same number of games played, and I'm I don't have the the stats like directly in front of me, but I'm going to assume also with like f- more minutes played. Um, more minutes. I, I I think I think the variable for Crosby is like. Oh man, Sullivan really threw him to the wolves in in those first two series. And oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, y- yes. By the way, uh, Sidney Crosby is eleventh in uh, ice time in the in the postseason, and Kessel is nineteenth. He's played an extra sixty minutes of hockey. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I, certainly I wouldn't like be outraged if Crosby won, but. Right, I think he's going to. Well, I, think he I mean, will. I think part of that is the the eighteen people who vote on the con Smythe kind of, uh, you know, they they will manufacture a way for Phil Kessel not to win because see the the way it's, I I will say this the the way it's set up is you know there's certain uh, certain uh, local like local guys from each market and then x amount of of national guys that. Find out that they're voting, like literally in the booth. No, I know. Uh, yeah. in, in the box during during um, I remember. during uh, during during. I know. I know. I'm I'm explaining it for for people oh, who right. yeah. who don't who don't know. I'm not explaining it to you. Um, the thing knower. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You know everything. I, I know. Um. So it, it's a blend of it's a blend of of each team's media base and then and then national guys. So yeah, I mean, of course, like. <laughs> It's possible that someone gets mixed in there who has, you know, that's all it's going to take is a couple, you know, maybe someone is predisposed to disliking Phil Castle, which, you know, I will, I will say this though. I, I think people have, you know, it's insane that it took this to, for so many people to judge him fairly, but I think, uh, I think there's people, I think people are coming around. I don't know. Do you? Um, I, I think so. I, I think, um, Kind of the way he was treated on his way out of Toronto has helped that, um, mm-hmm. but so too has the fact that he's been really 
really goddamn good in these playoffs. Right. Like, because yeah, even, even at the end of the regular season, like, nobody was saying, you know, who's been really great is Phil Kessel. And he was only okay for most of the year, like, relative right. to what expectations were, I, I would say. Right. Um, Which is true of that entire team. Like, yeah, he sort of stunk for the first three months of the season, but... yeah. So did they. <laughs> right. So did everyone else. Um, and, and at some point, I, I guess I should, probably should write, like, a, this is the impact Mike Sullivan had on this team because it is, mad, like, it's, it's insane how gigantic. how much better they were with him mm-hmm. than without. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, my thing with Kessel is, like, you know, he he's basically taken two guys who they're not, like, nobody nobody's penciling his line mates in as all-stars, and he's you know, mm-hmm. like third in the playoffs in scoring. So yeah, I think those guys have all been really good. Oh, they definitely have been. But like, it, you know, I, I guess what I would say is Phil Kessel is like the horse pulling that cart. Yeah, that, that's a fair. I mean, from from a point production standpoint, like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I think they work they work together so well. Though, they man. certainly Carl do. Haglund, yeah. Like like watching watching Carl Haglund every night, which is something that I hadn't done before. That dude is – he's a beast. I know we, we joked about it before and said that if he had hands, he'd be a $9 million player, which is true. But, like, right. just just how strong that – just how strong he is and how strong he is on the boards and how, and how good he is in the corners. I mean, he's he's a machine. And I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to give him more credit than, than he deserves. But he's been I've, awesome. He's been really, he's really been awesome. good. He's, yeah. been, he's been fun to watch. Um, the, the other thing I will say uh, is that, like, you know, if you're going to talk about – a guy who, uh, you know, he, he's maybe not the most outstanding. Pl- like, if Kenny Malkin's been as good as Sidney Crosby, if not better, for me, um, his his relative possession okay, but, numbers but here, are, are better. His, his possession numbers are great, but if you're going to ding Crosby for not for not producing points, you have to do the same with Malkin. He and Malkin have the same number of points. They have 17 apiece. And Malkin, I be, if I'm not mistaken, play like missed a game. Uh, so, but again, like I'm just, I'm just, my vote would go to Phil Kessel, uh, and I'm just like playing devil's advocate. I think Malkin, Crosby, Kessel, or Murray are like perfectly reasonable. Uh, I, you know what? Honestly, like like even though Murray's been really good, and they don't get past the Capitals without him until. Until last night, and th- and this is crazy. This is crazy, by the way. This is total like recency bias, you know, silliness. And that's what that's what it's, that's going to happen. Whoever has the best game out of these three guys, you know, in game, if it happens in the game clinching five, game, yeah, for sure. It, that's just that's just who's going to get it because that's human nature. But, um, man, I I thought I thought Matt Murray was really good last night. He and, was. And, he, and and um, I don't know that I would have. I don't know that I would have. Uh, I don't know if I would have had him, you know, neck and neck with those other two guys until until that, which is crazy. Well, I mean, you know, he's like a nine. He's having a better postseason than Martin Jones, and Martin Jones has been really good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I don't know. I don't short know of, what the number is exactly, but he's going to be short of those. Time. Short of those two games against the Lightning, whenever he he didn't play terribly, right? Necessarily, but he just didn't look. He didn't look right. He was really, really shaky, and, and that was that was directly before they before they switched to uh, before they made the switch to Flurry. 
Right. I mean, he's been he's been great. I, you can't you can't have the discussion without having him be a part of it. But it, that's also something that I'm not sure if I realized completely until yesterday. Yeah. So. Like I said, I, I would I would pick any number of those guys, but uh, you know, I, I think Kessel's kind of the clear choice right this second. Obviously, there's another game or two and in the series and like, you know, Crosby can very easily just go out there and score two goals and an assist. And, you know, we're not talking about, yeah. Or, or the sharks could come back and win the series. I mean, that is exceptionally unlikely at this point. Um, I, I think some guy like ran a thousand simulations and found that like, you know, 13% of the time the sharks come back to win, which, you know, down three, one, if you're, if you're even winning 13% of the time, that means you won three straight games and that's, that's pretty impressive, honestly, and it, it speaks to I how just don't, it speaks to how good the sharks are. But yeah, it does. But I, I just don't. I haven't. I, don't I haven't see how seen, they do that. Yeah, I haven't I don't seen see. enough from them in this series. They're not getting to the front of the net like they did. They're not drawing penalties like they did. Hurdles, hurdles out. They're they're yeah, out. If of, hurdles like, done. I mean, that's... The, the the forward the forward depth was going to be a problem with them from the start. That was that was apparent, and then you take hurdle out of the equation and. And it gets even worse. And then you factor in that Roman Pollock and 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 Brendan Dillon they're playing continue like thirty percent of the continue, team minutes. It's insane. yeah, they're playing they're playing a ton, and they, they were they were on like eleven or twelve minutes a night. And Peter DeBoer has them out there, you know, down right. three to one with two minutes yeah. left in in game four. Like it's it's insane. Like and even Nick Spalling, Nick Spalling's been awful. Unbelievably right. bad, and he's out there I against know. the Crosby line more often than not. And they're not, like, they're, they're just, they're just out there too much in, in these games. What are you doing? That was that was seriously that was that was my biggest takeaway from these last two games is that I thought maybe when I went back to San Jose that DeBoer would would try harder to keep Dylan and Polak off the ice, a and then play like play the Chris Tierney line and and whatever and sure. and the next balling line and get them the matchups that they wanted maybe not play them a ton less but but get them out there against more favorable competition i really thought that was going to happen and it didn't it didn't at all yeah so i mean not that i think like he's throwing away the series or anything like that but there are definitely like coaching decisions that have adversely affected the sharks and you know, yeah i think that's something you can that's something you can second guess them on yeah <laughs> so oh, 100 yeah, i mean i wrote a column basically doing exactly that so yeah that's... right the, the amount the amount he's playing is third pair and the amount that he's playing you know his checking line against his, Sydney his, his, Crosby. right right that's those are bad those are those are questionable decisions it's a it's a rough process and the results have been have been bad too so, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to see how how they get back into it, and that and that's a bummer because you know we all want we all want long series and the games that we've seen. But and at the same time, like these games score wise have been have been close, right? You know, and, yeah, and, uh, three one goal games and then another one that was a one goal game until like two and a half minutes left. Right, but they ha- they also haven't they haven't especially. I mean, Pittsburgh's wins for sure. They haven't felt that close. No. Oh no. Like like I said, the Sharks are getting demolished in terms of like high quality scoring chances and things like that. Where they're just, you know, uh, Matt. Mur- that's one of the reasons I maybe wouldn't pick Matt Murray. Is like right. he's not exactly facing a lot of like a quality chances mm-hmm. here. He's he's getting a lot of shots from the sides. He's getting a lot of shots from the blue line, and that 
you know, you got to stop them. And uh, yeah, and all I, that, I didn't. But... I didn't look at the. I, I didn't look at the at the chance numbers from from last night. But I, I felt like the, the. I I didn't either. But it certainly felt as though the Sharks had more high yes, quality chances it, than it they had did. in uh, in say game three, which you know that's the game they won. Jesus, right? Uh, and then and what's the you know what's the byproduct of that? Is that I wake up in the morning and I'm like, huh? I think Matt Murray might might deserve the Conn Smythe. Yeah, and he doesn't not, but. You know, again, as long as we're like looking for reasons why the reason I I started to talk about like how I knew how the uh, the process worked, like when Nick Kotsnicka, who now writes for like the NHL itself, when he got he like told me, you know, he used to work for Yahoo and he told me in like the middle of the second period in 2013, like I have a Con Smythe vote. Should I go with you know, Keith or Kane or somebody else. And I, and I argued for Kane cause he had been awesome and that kind of thing. And, and Kane ended up winning. And so, but like before that, it was just kind of a mystery to me as well. Like how, how all this goes. So totally it's like recency bias and like whatever happens in the clinching game is probably just as important as whatever happened in like the first two or three games of the series combined. So right, And I feel, and, and it's one of those things where I, it's easier. I feel like it's, um, it's easier to choose. It's easier to pick a heart trophy winner than it is, than it is a, a con smite oh, absolutely, because yeah. it's much easier to pick based on 82 games of evidence versus, you know, 25 or whatever, whatever it's going to end up being for them. Um, See, because there's so many different things to take in advance. And then you you say, well, do we weigh the cup final differently than the conference final? Oh, I mean, that's that's all, I mean, that's all Conn Smythe is, is it's, you know, it's a cup final MVP. It's, it's not effectively not a uh, full playoff MVP, which is what it's supposed to be. Well, see, I, and that's, and that's why I think, I mean, I don't know. That's that's kind of why I think Crosby's going to win it. I, I think I think Kessel Kessel may have, may have saved himself last night, but once once Crosby once Crosby called the face off and everybody made a huge deal out of it, rightfully so. But but once once he did that, I was I was like, this is this is over. If yeah. they win, if if they win, he's going to get it. Yeah. And and again, he's been awesome. So I don't want to like denigrate. Yeah, no, I know it's it's tough. It's tough to it's tough for me to for me to make a really compelling case against him. Honestly, other than to say like, yeah, the point production wasn't there for yeah. for a stretch. Yeah, and because and he's been great at everything else, right? Which he's always going to be. Like he's awesome. So, mm-hmm. um, one and thing he's I- also like he really has too. And, and not to not to harp too much on stuff like this, but like, you know, because. This could change tomorrow, but the level, and, and this is not to knock the Sharks for for trying it because you know they should. It's it's the final, but the level of shit that he's had to deal with, and in the level, you know, wh- whether it's from Thornton or whether it's getting knocked into the bench, you know, yesterday. I mean, that's stuff that would have just made him spin out a couple years ago, and 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 to see him not react to it in the way that he has in the past, you know, that's. There's a, there's a contrast there, and I and I think that's also the sort of stuff that people think about. You know, you say, all right, well, you know, he's uh, here's <laughs> here's here's another way that he's that he's grown up, and in, in, in another way that he's you know managed to cut out maybe something that that uh, that was a drag on him on him before that. Like he's and that's that's part of that team under Sullivan. Honestly, it's like they just don't they figured out a way to not react, but also not get 
you know, actually actually pushed around and, and have it have adverse effects. It's right. it's impressive stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I do like though is that nobody's really uh, blaming anybody on the sharks. Usually, when there's like oh, it's great a team it's great. getting destroyed mm-hmm. in, in in the cup final, like uh, you know, uh, I think the most the best most recent example is like when uh, when the Bruins were lost in six to, to Chicago and everybody was like, Zdeno Chara is terrible now. And it's like, well, he, I mean, he's mm-hmm. clearly been injured since the second round. Like he can barely skate. I, I'm not yeah. willing to like throw him overboard here. He's awesome. S- still in yeah. theory. Um, not so much now and, you know, two, two, three years later, but at that time, like Zdeno Chara was still one of like the three or four best defensemen in the league. And he had yeah, one right. bad series because he was injured and everybody was like, he's a, or another perfect example is Tyler Sagan. The kid hit thir- literally hit 13 posts in the, in the playoffs mm-hmm. and only scored once. Um, and so right. like they had to, they literally, the team felt like they had to ship him out of town mm-hmm. and nobody's doing that with the sharks. And it makes me so no, happy because I, it's I think, like, yeah, I, they just kind of ran into a better team. Yeah, and and I think that's where, you know, where Pittsburgh's depth and the amount of attention that guys like, you know, obviously Castle and Haglin and Benino, but you know, Matt Cullen scoring scoring goals and doing that doing that sort of stuff. The the attention that that those guys have drawn to themselves, um, and and the credit that they've gotten for being a deep team, like that 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 part of the narrative has been hammered home in a very, very big way. So I think people realize, you know, rightfully that, that Pittsburgh right now is a really, really deep, (laughs) talented team in that the Sharks, you know, in a lot of ways are just kind of overmatched. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I think if, if you, if you're going to blame anybody like Peter DeBoer is just getting out coached and that's going to happen sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's you know he's still a good coach. He's still one of the better coaches in the league. He understands. Yeah, it, what I, I mean, I it, like, it's it's true. It's true. Extent. He is. But like, how much credit? How much? How much blame do you want to give a guy for for losing to a team that has Phil Kessel on its third oh, line? Oh yeah, no, like, for I, like, sure. He's not. He's not. He's not making stuff easier on himself. But like, this kind of feels like it was yeah, going to happen. He, regardless. He ran, he, like I said, they they just ran into a buzzsaw. And yeah. And, you know, the GM didn't help tr- trading for, like, his big acquisitions being Roman Polak and, and Nick Spalling at the mm-hmm. deadline. Like, that was terrible, and he gave up two second round. Like, doesn't make any sense at all that that would be your big ad. But, to, so to that extent, like, that's, DeBoer's just working with what he has. Like, if he had gotten a better defenseman, eh, you know, maybe the team's in better shape at this point. But also, they're in the cup final, like... Mm-hmm. These, these are like we said it last week these are all effectively coin flip games <laughs> like yeah, even sure. even when the even when the penguins are like obviously overwhelming the sharks like one bounce goes the sharks way and the whole series like we're not talking about doom and gloom it's tied going back to pittsburgh so mm-hmm. you know i i think the the one thing that i hope comes out of this and i i wrote about it briefly is like uh I really hope that teams, because the NHL is a league where everybody copies what was successful most recently, I hope a lot of teams are like, you know what we should do? Like, we have two really good players, like, really good forwards or whatever. We should go out and trade a ton 
for another really good forward. Yeah. And and maybe we'll play faster and and that kind of thing like No, it's been it's been good. Be this so that's been nice. the most because that's been the most heartening thing about yeah. this, honestly, is is seeing is seeing the way these two teams play, and like yes, in a perfect world, this would go seven games, and you know, more people would watch it, and and on and on. But you know, it's a copycat league, and and hopefully, it, and hopefully people, you know, take heed and and use it as an opportunity to just kind of open stuff up because it's been fun. Yeah, I mean th- that's that's the problem with the league to some extent is that like. Every team has good players, but like that includes really bad teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs with Phil Kessel, where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but wouldn't it be great to see Phil Kessel play with good players and not bad ones? Yeah, I know. And so like if you can, you know, like it'll never happen, but like in theory, if a team that was actually good could pry Eric Carlson out of Ottawa, so it's not Eric Carlson like dragging the Senators to an 82-point season, like, kicking and screaming, and instead, like, it's Eric Carlson on an unbelievable team, uh, like, a team that was already fun, like, in the same way that, you know, this is how the NBA works, where good teams get good players, right? and then they start winning a ton of games. I think think clearly what needs to happen here is there just needs to be some sort of smear campaign against Eric Carlson that forces the Senators to trade him for, you know, 65 cents on the dollar. Right. I, th- I think that's that's ideally what would happen. I, th- I think we can disagree there. <laughs> I mean, that's the, th- like, you know, uh, you talk about the NBA Finals and, like, the, the Warriors are just humiliating the Cavaliers, right? Like, these games aren't close. They're not fun right. to watch. And you kind of feel bad for, like, LeBron James watching them because, you know, he. I, I think it was a deadspin headline where it was like, LeBron gets you 75% of the way there, and it's not enough when, you know, the Warriors have three of the 15 best players in the league, all of yeah. whom are in their primes, all of whom are on, like, affordable contracts. Yeah. Like, what and, are you and supposed to do? You know, Le- LeBron's not peak LeBron, but... No. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. It, no. it wouldn't matter against this team. Yeah, I mean, like Kevin Love, uh, you know, would you rather have Kyrie Irving than Kevin Love at this point? Yeah, you probably would, right? But, sure. um, you know, it, it's it's a thing where the Cavs are a good team in the like a good team in the East. They're not an unbelievable team. They're clearly the best team in the East. Um, I think they won, what, two more games in the regular season than Toronto and Boston did? Like, that's not great, right. you know? Um, but it's it's the best you're going to get in the East. And, again, like, people are blaming LeBron James for things that are, like, very obviously not his fault. And the way that they blamed Kessel in in Toronto or their... Yeah. To a, may, not as much, but blaming no, Eric Carlson... It's... For, uh, for Ottawa not people. being a good team. Yeah, this is people, you know, trying to look for, trying to look for explanations where you know, make the actual explanation tougher than right. Uh, yeah, because or, because it's or, not or, a, it's or, or not just a, over overcomplicating stuff. Right, it's it not a good column to say the reason the the Cavs are getting their teeth kicked down their throat is that mm-hmm. you know. The Warriors are just the best team in NBA history. Right. Is that is it is it they don't have a bench and they're getting nothing out of J.R. Smith and they're getting nothing out of Iman Shumpert and you know 
that's it. That's that's the biggest problem. Like yeah. even though even though LeBron's jumper might be might be a little broken and whatever, like they're just there. There's not there's not much. There's clearly not much that's going to happen for for them to have that much of a chance here. Yeah. So I don't know. Just treat like, like bottom bottom line is everyone just needs to treat LeBron James right, and everyone needs to treat Joe Thornton right. And if yep, and if that happens, you know we'll we'll all be good. Appreciate what you have while you have it, because one day we're not going to have LeBron James to mm-hmm. watch and be amazed by, uh, and we're you know sooner than later we're not going to have Joe Thornton. So, yeah. and then we're going to be like, man, we're like five years from now we're going we're going to you know within a seven year period we're going to have shifted from this guy's a loser and teams can't win with him to. Boy, I wish we had guys like him around. And no, that's always true. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I guess that that'll do it for sports talk. We have time for a few questions this week. We kind of mm-hmm. ran long, um, but we got more. No, here, questions. here's a, here's a really here's a really quick. We we can save some of these for for maybe next week. Sure. Here's a really here's a really quick answer. One. Uh, this is from. You know, I, I I've seen this I've seen this dude's handle before, and I'm I honestly don't know how to say it. It's like Brogepi, Brogepi, B-R-O-G-E-P-I. Where am I, I looking I, here? I don't see this. Yeah, he sent it to me. He sent it to me and stick to sports. Oh man. Um, the question is, who is your fifth favorite wrestler from your childhood? Fifth I feel like favorite. You probably have something ready for this. Fifth favorite. Wow. Well, I was always a, a a big fan of heels. No. Yeah, me. I I know you can't believe it, but uh. But like the more gimmicky, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really, for whatever reason, always liked the Mountie. Remember the oh. Mountie? Yeah, this is like this is like the weird little like three year generation gap that that pops up with you and I sometimes because a you watched you watched wrestling when you were younger than I did. I certainly and, did. And uh, and I, and you know I'm a like I'm. A couple years younger, so, so like I feel like my... you're talking about. Oh, big time! Yeah. Okay, sure. I can come. You um, talk for a minute. I'll come up with a fifth favorite from the Attitude Era. It's probably X Pac. Oh, Sean, please. Why? What's wrong with that? Like what? It's so I mean, awful. One, two, one, two, three, kid. Yeah, I know. I'm just being honest, man. I uh, I was a pretty big DX guy. Sure. And, uh, As were we all. Weren't weren't <laughs> were we ever so young? <laughs> Um, no, I, I remember, that... I remember drinking, I remember drinking specifically, like, like seeing, seeing like a cardboard cutout of X-Pac selling like Hanson's energy drink, which is terrible. They sell it at Whole Foods now because I guess it's like all natural or whatever. It's like some, you know, I don't even know what it is. And it was like a, it was a, it was an X-Pac endorsed thing. And I totally drank it just, just because I, I bought it once just, just cause it's cardboard cutout and it was horrendous. Sure. So I, I liked I liked Xbox and Xbox enough to buy to buy stuff that I'm going to say know, this. Told me to buy. He's my fifth favorite wrestler in Degeneration X. <laughs> I, w- I prefer Mr. Ass over. No 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 no. I, I I can understand I can understand you maybe saying that that Road Dog's better, but but Billy Gunn Billy Gunn's definitely not. Definitely not. Oh yeah, he definitely is a hundred percent better finisher. The the Bronco or whatever that thing was called was terrible. That shit was uh, embarrassing. The X Factor was was pretty good. Oh, the X Factor was pretty run of the mill. Is ah, uh, in in the in, in when he uh, when he and Kane were a tag team, that was that was a blast with the, oh. the big 
dynamic. Mm, yeah, see, I I just never. So there was a thing among like smart quote unquote wrestling fans who like went on message boards and stuff called X Pac Heat back then, yeah. where like X Pac would get booed when he came out, and the WWF at the time would assume would be like, "Oh, X Pac's super over," and it's like, "No, we just all hate X Pac." Like right. no, just yeah. nobody likes X Pac. Yeah, it's it it's not like it's not the right kind of it's not the right kind of uh it's not the right kind of booze. <laughs> right. They're they're the they're, they're the booze of like indifference and yeah. rather than actual passionate hatred. Uh, and by the yeah. way, my fifth yeah. favorite wrestler of the Attitude Era was D'Lo Brown, European oh, champion that's, that's D'Lo Brown. Yeah. Um my my first favorite of course was Chris Jericho. So yeah, like 95 uh, WCW when he was like the cruiserweight champion and feuding with yeah. Malenko a lot. Like that's some of the funniest stuff in wrestling history as far as I'm concerned. Like yeah. when he would come out and uh, like he would lose and he would tear the ring announcer's tuxedo and then he he would the next week bring the ring announcer a new tuxedo <laughs> and then lose and tear that. Like oh, that's great. hilarious. Unbelievably funny. Uh, Y two J. Well, this, this was even before Y two J. I know, I I know it was. That was that was like, you know, that was, that was like Nitro to, Nitro era. Yeah, that was him going to Raw and like becoming a face and feuding very briefly with Triple H. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So D'Lo Brown for me, X Pac for Sheezy, to answer that question. Um, here's one that that I thought was that I thought was good is what is. Another favorite question. What is your favorite movie of the last 15 years? Mm, so we're talking 2001 that's... to present. I have like a go-to answer for this. Um, let me see when it actually came out. Yep. I'm going to go with Royal Tenenbaums. That's a good came one. On... I love that movie. Yeah. October October of 2001. Ooh, um, just under the wire. Just under the wire. Yeah, and it's and it's a it's probably my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Oh, it's still. definitely mine. It's awesome. even though even though I've grown even though I've grown to like Rush more and more. Um, and the reason the reason I just go to that I default to that, you know, because I watch a lot of movies and you know, whatever. But I default to that as being my favorite because it came out when I was you know fifteen or whatever, and uh, I don't know. It kind of changed the way I the the way I think about. Uh, the way I, the way I the way I approach movies, honestly, sure. and, and enjoying and enjoying them and thinking about them, um, and it's and it's like it's cliche to to give that answer. I think like because you know Wes Anderson is easy to hate on and kind of become a bit of a a bit of a caricature of himself. I according totally to disagree. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's true. I like I I thought I didn't really like Moonrise Kingdom that much, but oh, I, I, I thought I loved it. I thought it was so charming. I didn't love it. I, I thought it was one of his lesser works and I liked Grand Budapest Hotel a lot. So, like I'm I'm a huge fan. The the only the only movie I can honestly say that I didn't enjoy was was um was a Fantastic what's it Mr. Called? Fox. No, no, no. That that one was fine. Um Bottle Rocket. I mean, I'll just go in order. Oh, Jesus point. Christ! The, the the one with Adrian Brody on the train. I I can't think oh, of it yeah, now. Oh yeah, that is definitely. Uh, I, put that, I, I, I put that. I put that in my head. Yeah, my favorite, I, I watched or it. My least favorite. I watched it once and then was like, oh nope, I this 
I hated this, and I, I'm going to pretend that it doesn't exist. I'm going to pretend that this wasn't by the guy that did, you know, Steve Zissou and Royal Tenenbaums. Like I, I have, I have a, I have a, like an art print of Steve Zissou, like that I'm looking at right now. Like yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan, but yeah, that that movie can go, can go, uh, can go pound salt, man. Yeah, Don't care for it. Um, for me, uh, it, I'm a little surprised that the answer is this recent. Well, I kind of have two answers. One is what I think is probably the finest uh, American film, you know, since Raging Bull, basically, is There Will Be Blood. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a movie I have watched dozens of times. Like, it's unbelievable. Every aspect of that movie, to me, is just about perfect. So uh, that's probably the movie I have seen the most in the last 15 years. But the movie I think I liked the most and was like, and have thought about the most uh, weirdly, is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh man, I, I liked it. I, I it loved doesn't, it. It doesn't. It doesn't hit There Will Be Blood level for there, me. There are uh, so on my on my phone. I try not to have like a lot of media for whatever reason. Like, no big deal. So I have like you know a a handful of albums, and then also. <laughs> uh, two movies and those two movies are there will be blood and fury road like those those are i guess kind of my desert island movies of the last 15 years uh, you know what i really thought you would pick jurassic world or jurassic park 3 actually i i would think you would maybe pick jurassic, jurassic park, park 3 i know that came out summer 2001 didn't it uh-huh okay well Which, no. you know what? my favorite part my favorite part about jurassic park 3 is is when the dinosaurs uh start talking to each other yep sure yeah uh i i that that can happen you know oh can it yeah no that right i i mean i think i think it can well i mean obviously dinosaurs would have had some you know later on we're, we're no i like i think i think they could Cretaceous. probably they could probably they could probably you know make make uh you know form letters and have like a really full-on language where they had sure an yeah. alphabet of sorts. Um, right? to, to that, yeah, sure. Uh, to that end, what do you think is the worst dinosaur? Is another question we got. Uh, hippopotamus. The correct answer is Stegosaurus. Stegosaurus, unquestionably, the worst dinosaur. Mm. It's bad. It's dumb. And it's what other what other bad dinosaurs are there? Oh, I mean, there are, there are plenty of bad dinosaurs. Your Protoceratops is pretty stupid. I, you know what? I'm just gonna say, like, I don't like most dinosaurs from the Jurassic era in general. I think, I think that I, a dragon is probably a bad dinosaur, right? Mm, yes. Komodo dragons. They're 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 descendants. I mean, they're not at all. But no, uh, they are. They're like that's. I mean, they have right? a common ancestor Just that like kind of predates Dinosauria in general. No, those are they're mo- they're modern dinosaurs. <laughs> I, no, modern dinosaurs are birds. No, modern dinosaurs are elephants. We went over that, <laughs> but they're not. Uh, yeah, no. So the answer for me is Stegosaurus. Sean does not have a serious answer. Um, and I, it is. It's I, I gave it. It's it's hippo with Komodo dragon as. My second least favorite dragon, or okay. uh, dinosaur. Excuse me. Hmm. Um, I, I guess we'll do one more question, and it's something that's gotten me a, a kind of a weird amount, like a surprising amount of traction on Twitter. Is uh, 
I recently started watching Gilmore Girls. And so the question was, will we do a Gilmore Girls segment? Mm, uh, something and... similar. What? Something similar might, might be coming. I don't, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. Absolutely. Gilmore Girls segment. Um, but, yeah, I just... I have, like, Gilmore Girls is a show that I have watched almost three full seasons of in, like, the last two weeks. Yeah. There's just not, you know, once once the playoff games kind of thinned out, there were some nights where I didn't go out and I just was like, oh, I guess I'll watch Gilmore Girls. And then uh, yeah. over the weekend, I got a, uh, a wisdom tooth pulled and I watched, like, seven episodes in a row. I know it's it's very it's very cool to like rewatch Gilmore Girls right now because of Gilmore Guys and in the Netflix series and stuff and I I should totally do that but I will say uh, that I watched a large a large chunk of uh, of Gilmore Girls on first run because wow, I had see, a mother I had a mother uh, I know I had a mother and a sister and one television in the house so I got roped into watching a good bit of it and. Uh, it didn't take long for me to stop pretending that I didn't enjoy it, honestly. Yeah. All I know, like, my sister, in watching this show, like, my sister has gotten her entire personality from the Gilmore Girls. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, 100% she is just, like, the third Gilmore Girl. I think I think, I think, think my mom and my sister have only just now started to speak to each other more slowly. <laughs> yeah. It's 15 years later. Sure. Um, so, what are so what are your general thoughts on the Gilmore Girls, and then we'll call it a night here, um, because I have to do radio in in uh, in St. Louis in about ten minutes. So, yeah, I I think it's a good show. That's I my agree. thought on, on on the Gilmore Girls. Um, yet a a weirdly problematic show for me, where I see I I dislike again, many I of the characters. Watched... Jesus, I, I haven't I haven't rewatched it, man. Like like I, I I remember having super low expectations and just being so grateful that that was on rather than like you know One Tree Hill or other sure. or other horseshit uh, WB show shows. My, back then. my sister watched. I think our sisters are roughly the same age, so yeah, that makes sense. Everwood, I I watched I watched Everwood, nope, all three seasons. Not, of, not familiar. Starring, oh yeah, oh yeah, starring a young Chris Pratt. That was like my first exposure to Chris Pratt. I didn't know was, he was on TV before. Oh, Dude, he was like he was the dopey older brother on a on a WB show, and I, see that I and, I, and I liked him, and I liked him back then. He's great, likable fellow. He really is, which is why Jurassic World sucks so bad because they took a very likable person and made him like completely devoid of character. Hmm. Knows his dinosaurs though. I mean, he doesn't not. There was the one I that think... li- there were the, the some of them listened to him. Remember. Hmm. And they were friends. Best uh, friends. To be friends with a dinosaur. Now we're talking. <laughs> I think that's the episode title. <laughs> to be friends with a dinosaur. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. I agree just, with you. Just to be friends with a dinosaur. A hundred or an hour and 11 minutes in. Oh, Jesus. Goodbye. Yeah, that's it. We're done. See ya. Bye. <laughs>